Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. Listen, you may hear some things today that, even if you walk away with one thing, if you walk away with one thing that helps uh, give you a clearer perspective of who the Holy Ghost is, it was worth it. You know, and I know young people that I'm not as exciting as Cody, uh, <laughs> and, and you're in here uh, in, in the big church, so to speak, but um, if you listen today, I promise, just pray, even in your heart, that, that the Lord would just give you one thing, and you can take more than that if you want, uh, but during this conversation, during this message, I know that there's something for everyone. Uh, because he is for everyone. But this is half of a whole. Last week I started this message in chapter eight and I got about halfway through it. So today I'm gonna finish the message. If you want, if you feel like, man, this is kind of not a whole thought, well, go back and listen to last week's. Um, for those of you that were here, uh, we're just gonna pick up where we left off. There'll be a little bit of review, a little bit of overlap, um, but we're gonna get into uh, what I like to say, as my brother in Jesus, Nacho Libre, used to say, this is the nitty-gritty today. Uh, so it's going to be good. I'm going to pray one more time, and we're going to jump into Romans chapter 8. Father, we pray that you would illuminate our hearts. Holy Spirit, reveal to us what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Go to verse number 12, chapter 8, verse number 12, and I'll start reading right there. So then, brothers and sisters... We are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, we covered that extensively last week, so I'm not going to wade in the minutia too much, but we're not saying in and out of salvation. We're not saying you wake up today and choose whether you're saved in the flesh and the Spirit. They that be in Christ, right, your new creation you are no longer condemned by what you have done. Uh, you have been, in the spirit of justification, declared righteous, right? So this is the implication from all of what we've already studied. And it's reaching this point, this boiling point, where he's now talking about the Holy Spirit. And so we've gone from, look, there's Torah-abiding Jews in these house churches, probably four to five house churches in Rome. There's Torah-abiding Jews, we'll say, on the left, and there's non-Torah-abiding Gentiles on the right. The goal of the author, Paul, read by Phoebe, is to see these two groups coalesce, combine, come together in Christoformity, being conformed to who Jesus is, not conformed to their tradition, to their culture. It is finding Jesus in the center of where they are. Paul's not saying to the Torah-abiding Jews, stop abiding by Torah. He's not saying to the non-Torah-abiding Gentiles, you need to be circumcised and abide by Torah. He's saying you can abide by Torah, you cannot abide by Torah, and you can still find a common ground of grace where Jesus is. He was a Jew and he gets it, and he wasn't forcing that and pushing that on non-Jews. It's not the specific uh, points of the law. There's a greater overarching theme. And what did we say that was last week? Does anybody remember? Anybody? One word, huh? Love. The points of carrying all of this out, the points of abiding by the law translates to us loving people. 
That's, that's the goal, right? And so if in your goal, if in your system of religion, you forget that it's about other people and not yourself, that you forget that it's about others and how you treat them versus how well you are at keeping that list of things, you've missed the whole point. You're trapped in your system. And, and this, is, this is another reason that I really, next week Cody's gonna pick up chapter nine, the weighty chapter that it is, and bring a message on that. Like, we get so wrapped up in, in systematic theology and our systems and structures of how we view it that we think about election w- w- without this thought in mind. We think about uh, going to church without the personal aspect that the Holy Ghost of God is within your heart. Right, And so we're bridging this gap here. Brothers and sisters, I'm calling on you to come together. And so, look, where are you in this thing of brothers and sisters coming together? All of this is important and it's fitting. But is there others that are within your life that are coming from different cultural, uh, socioeconomic backgrounds? Is everyone in your life just like you? Chances are brothers and sisters, your family has people that are in it that are being pushed out, that are being marginalized. And what Paul is saying, it doesn't matter, uh, Jew or Greek, male or female, bond or free, it doesn't matter where Jesus is is where we all can what? Come together and there's this element, there's this person that's at the center of it all and his name is the Holy Ghost. And so his goal is is to make us brothers and sisters, to bring us together in love. And this is what the church of Jesus Christ looks like. It's very diverse. In this context of Rome, different types, different backgrounds, we should be able to meld together, right? Because of the Spirit. So, So then the implications, if you're not, chances are you don't have this relationship with the Holy Ghost that you should have because it's hinging on this thing called love. Okay, all right, it's gonna get deeper. Let's keep going. So then, brothers and sisters, verse 12, I'm backtracking again. (laughs) We're not obligated to the flesh, but to live according to the, uh, we're not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, because if you live according to the flesh, verse 13, you are going to die. But if the spirit you put, uh, if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. And some of these things are, are if you've been with me through this whole book, right, it's, it's getting so rich. This family analogy, verse 15, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit, big S, spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, Christoformity, Being like Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. There's this tension in scripture of already, but not yet. So then if these things are happening, we are family, we are brothers and sisters, but not yet in our final state. For if I consider that the suffering of this present time, think about that, present time, for I consider The suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Now, some of y'all are like, for real? I got a new cup when I was in South Carolina. I got a Turbis. Anybody have a Turbis? 
Yeah, Kyle, you got one and you were making fun of mine this morning. <laughs> mm-hmm. Coffee's good this morning, amen? Anyway, that was just a brief intermission so that I could get a sip of coffee. I uh, forget where I was going with that. So, uh, <laughs> Oh, for I considered the sufferings. Some of y'all are like, uh, maybe he doesn't see what I'm going through. If, if it's not to be compared to what is going to be revealed, then the Lord isn't looking at my life because what I'm going through sucks. What I'm going through is awful. And, and, and I just can't imagine it being any worse or bigger if your problem is huge and then God says to you it can't even be compared. I mean, like, this is a different perspective, isn't it? This is a different view, a different optic. God is not saying what you're going through is insignificant. He's not saying that. He's just saying, I'm looking at this from a different perspective. I'm seeing things through a different lens. How many of you wear glasses? Anybody? Yeah. You know that when you find somebody that really needs glasses in your family and you put their glasses on instead of yours on accident and it's like, whoa, you know what I mean? And some of you that just like, <laughs> you know who you are. You order lenses with clear, you know, the frames that have clear lenses because you don't need them. You just have them for the style, you know? It's like, I just want the lenses. <laughs> I just need them. You know, the doctor said, <laughs> if I don't wear them, you know, my eyes are going to go this way. <laughs> You don't need them. You're wearing them. Anyway, those of us that actually need them were blind. If you put my lenses on, you'd be like, woof, I can't see through that. Look, that's, that's what we're saying here. Look, everybody's coming from a different perspective. Everyone has different eyes. And Paul is saying <laughs> the lens that we all look through that makes sense of this is the one that the Spirit of God's holding up for us. He understands intricately the feelings of your heart. The, the place that you're in, and he wants to interpret what's happening in your life through what God wants to do, not through how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Let's keep going. Uh, let's see here. It's not to be compared. Verse 19, for the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. So literally, it's not just us, but like everything around us. The Lord is gonna redeem this entire world. And I can't, I mean, I can't wait to see it. Imagine, the, like we went to uh, Charleston for our anniversary, and it's just a pretty city. It's like every alleyway, and, and it was like you could be in the city and not worry about like, you know what I'm saying? All, they could tell people from Baltimore, like we're like walking around, about to go down this alley, and we're like looking, making sure nobody's following us. <laughs> they're like, yeah, they're not from around here. Like people are just walking around at 2 a.m. What were we doing at 2 a.m.? That's none of y'all's business. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. But anyway, my point is, is like, it, it's a beautiful city. It's gorgeous. Baltimore could be beautiful. And it does have beautiful places. It's just uh, poorly run. But anyway, we're walking down these paths, and it's just like these beautiful trees and flowers and colors everywhere. And it's just like, even in its state, we're, 
we're overwhelmed by the beauty of God's creation. But guess what? That's with it being trapped. We're experiencing God's creation in the nine-month labor pain. That's the age that we're in. Consider that. How awesome. <laughs> it's like saying that the best part of childhood is nine months of pregnancy, ladies. Isn't it the best part? It's so great. And y'all are like, you crazy. Shut up, man. You, ain't got, you don't know nothing about it. It's, the, the point is, is nine-month pregnancy is hard. It's awful. And then like with twins, poor thing, I just remember her just like laying there, <laughs> done with it. And River and Ross were like fighting in there, you know what I mean? And it was like, you see the arm come over and then the leg come back and, you know, they're like fighting. It's, we got a video of it. It's pretty cool. It's like not good at all. That pregnancy, that period, you're just like, get me to the day when these things are out, right? And all of us men, we're just like, whatever you need, whatever you need. If you want popcorn and pickles at 3 a.m., I'm there. I'm there for it. Whatever the, whatever the craving is, why? We just want to help you cross that finish line. What we don't understand sometimes is that our entire world is in a nine-month pregnancy stage. God wants this world to be renovated. He wants this world to be reborn. Understand that when he created Eden, Eden was that place, it was that garden where heaven and earth overlapped, where the supernatural was meeting with the natural, where God and his angelic beings could speak with man. And now we have this thin veil. We have this place where we know the supernatural is there. We see it. We experience it. But it's different. Now we are the place where heaven and earth overlap. The, the Bible says that your body is the what? The temple of the Holy Ghost. So what God is saying is the place where they meet is you. You are the only place. You're the cosmic temple where the God of the universe speaks with and other people can view you. And you are their introduction to the Almighty Woo. Uh, but that's not how it's going to be forever. God is saying the glory that will be revealed is when I take this whole pregnant earth and it has a baby and it becomes a new heaven and new earth. You don't even imagine how good it's going to be when this whole earth is how Eden was, was designed to be and how it's like that everywhere. That's what God wants to do. And when you compare your life right now in nine months of pregnancy, it's nothing to what it's like to raise the child and talk with the child and understand. And then they have a will of their own. And then, oh my gosh, they turn nine. And you love them so much and you're watching them grow. It can't be compared. It's amazing when they're pregnant, but it's even what? Better. When you talk with them, look, right now, don't compare your life with what it is to what God will make it one day. Right now, we're still experiencing sin. We're still experiencing our whole earth, the hurricanes, the earthquakes, everything. Our, our whole world is like having labor pains because of sin and because of the decay of what is happening around. But Paul is saying, guess what? He's coming again. When the second coming of Christ happens... Oh my God, all wrongs are going to be made right. The sons and daughters of God must testify of what is to come. That is our hope. But yet, the church is caught in a vicious cycle of being bitter. The church is caught in a vicious cycle of feeling sorry for ourselves, 
The church is caught in a vicious cycle of saying, I just don't want it to be hard. And God is like, that's what nine months is. That's what pregnancy is, this is hard. But you have the perspective of what God is doing and what he's going to bring, a pa- bring to pass. It's already the church of God, but not what? But not yet. This is a view he's trying to get us to see. But there's one person that knows about it. There's one person that understands this intrinsically from its very base foundation on up. He's been there from the whole time. You see, when God uh, moved in the beginning, the Lord said, let there be light. And who was moving? The Spirit of God was moving over the waters. We sing that song, as the Spirit was moving. There's Kaylee. Get her back up here. Let's sing it. Over the waters, Spirit come move over us. Come what? Rest on us. The Spirit of God has been there every step of the way. From creation to Eden, watch, to the fall. And, and God said that literally from justification, we've been talking about this all book, the whole book of Romans, when Jesus did what we could not do, when he became the new Israel, when he walked as a human being like we walk, but he didn't sin. He paid for all of the things that we owed. And then he said, guess what? And I think John 14 or something like that. He said, it's better for you that I what? Go away because I'm going to send another. And that word another, it's like literally in the, in the Greek, it means I'm going to send someone just as good as me. In, in the concept of the Trinity, like the Holy Ghost of God is consubstantial. He is the same substance of Jesus the same substance of the Father, Yahweh, God of Israel, the angel of the Lord, all the visions of the Lord in Scripture, we understand that he is God, but he sent himself, not just as a form of a servant in Jesus, he sent himself as the Spirit to begin the process of renewal within our hearts. So we know that we struggle, we know that we have sinned, we know that we're fleshly, we know that it's already but not yet, because Jesus has paid for this. Jesus has made a way, and the Holy Ghost is on scene dealing with the pieces, and it is his responsibility to carry us into the new heaven, into the, into the new earth. Paul puts it this way. He says, you're sealed under the day of redemption with the Holy Ghost. He is here, he is ready, and he is in your heart. This is the person the person of the Trinity that I feel like is the most underutilized person in a Christian's life. It's the Holy Ghost. All right, let's keep moving. I don't know where I'm at. I'm just reading stuff. Here we go. <laughs> what verse do we leave off of? 20, look, look at verse 23. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. Because we hope for what, it, uh, because, because we who hope for what he sees, now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. Verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Because we do not know, watch this, what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 
Now, listen to this verse. For we know that all things work together for good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. I mean, that's like, (laughs) we tweet the heck out of that, don't we? Oh, we know all things work together for good. Oh my gosh. Like, we're so good at just, and I'm not, I, like, you should use scripture in time of need, right? But use it rightly. Like, when you compare all things work together for good because of all the things that the Spirit is already doing in our life, and that we have a perspective that the suffering that's happening in our life is not to be compared, then who is, <laughs> the Lord's going to lead you right out of that suffering, sweetheart, he will. All things work together for good. <laughs> scripture says it. What are we doing? We're taking a verse and we're isolating it. We're making it sound like whatever we want it to sound like. Instead of putting it in context of what the whole story is. Man, maybe we should do away with this plant. Sorry, Bill, I'm like running around and they got a joystick back there trying to keep up with me. I'm gonna stand still. We gotta stop like using these things as like little pieces of medicine. And just start thinking about the context of what God is doing in our life. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For those who we did foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He's reiterating. And those who he predestined, he also called, and those who he called, he justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. And we're gonna talk more about that next week. Look, I wanna get down to to the goods here. Remember last week, and I'll just say this briefly. Remember last week we talked about love. We talked about the fulfillment of the law. Remember Torah abiding Jews, non-Torah abiding Gentiles, and how the ultimate fulfillment of the law is to what? Is to love. And even, even to the point that it says this, right, that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, right, and I'll probably miss a few meekness, gentleness, long-suffering. It says this, again, in King James it says, against such there is no, does anybody know what it says? There's no law. You know that word just means regulation. If we consider it this way, like when you go diving, like Jim, you've probably been to the Caribbean more than, more than anybody in this room, you think? What didn't little Jimmy has, has his, he got his certificate for scuba diving, Right? You put the, my dad used to scuba dive. He would go on these like work trips and stuff. And I always liked the diving gear. It was like, all oh, had these cool colors and stuff. But they wear oxygen tanks. And does anybody know what goes in your mouth? Come on now, what is it? Why do you have a regulator? Because <laughs> you only have a limited supply of what? Of oxygen. So you have a tank that you must regulate, and if you don't, I mean, you go in, and it's like you're swimming down, and (laughs) if it's like your first time, your air lasts for like five minutes, and then you're done, right? But you have that regulator, and what what Paul is saying is, is if you have the Spirit of God, the fruit that comes from the Spirit against such love, there is no regulation. If there's no regulator, then that means there's an endless what? Supply endless supply. You see, this is the problem with our marriages. This is the problem with our relationships, with our coworker issues and problems. We wake up in the morning and we put on the amount of love that we're going to use for the day. 
and we got our regulator. And then she says, why you got the laundry on the floor? Not that my wife ever says or talks about the laundry. And I'm all, and there went half the tank. Woman who pays for this. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we feel a certain kind of way. Then when we go to work, after the kids drank all the milk, I didn't have anything for my oatmeal, my cereal, the eggs were gone. No options. Just kidding. I don't even eat breakfast. But the point is, is we get to work and we've already depleted one tank and we only got one left. And they say, hey, uh, your performance has, uh, it sucked. <laughs> And we start sucking on that regulator, and then our love supply is depleted. Paul is saying, if you're in the spirit of God, you don't have a regulator because it's endless. It just flows. So in other words, we shouldn't be under what? Water in our relationships. We should be able to constantly engage in conflict and love through that. We should be able to disagree and constantly what? Love through that. That's a sign that we're in the what? In the spirit. And remember last week, Romans 13, it says, Oh, no man, anything but what? Love one another. So what does that mean? Anytime you are struggling, anytime you feel like not loving that person, you're in the flesh and you're not in the spirit of God. Because if you're in the spirit, there's no regulation to the amount of love that he will give you. So let's use this as a launching pad, which is where I would have gone last week, into this right here. The spirit of God in us, watch this, church, will produce these life-giving perspectives. And all of this is really a summary from verse 12 to verse 27, before all things work together for good. You see, we're struggling as a church the big, big C church across the world, we're struggling with this. We're looking at what's going on around us, the groans of the earth, right? And we're blaming everything on people not being Christ-like. Why are we blaming lost people for being lost people? That's really dumb. <laughs> Why are lost people being so lost? Because they're lost, <laughs> right? They're not, it's, it's our responsibility to love them, not beat them over the head with our directions. Against such, there's no regulation. It's not your way, it's his way. So if we're spirit-filled, feel, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. If we're spirit-filled, then here's the, here's the perspective that we're gonna have. Number one, I only have two. Under each, there's four points, but you get it. <laughs> Number one, we have nothing to lose in loving others. Church, you need to get this. If we are spirit-filled, the perspective that we will have is there is nothing to lose in loving others. I've met so many Christians that feel like other people can get over on them. Look, if you're in Jesus, nobody can get over on you. Nobody can take advantage of you. The gospel has literally solved all of your problems that really matter. Do you understand what I'm saying? You gotta look through this filter, you gotta look through this lens, you're like, I don't like those glasses you're talking about right now. <laughs> I ain't looking through that. Paul is saying, your suffering is not to be compared. The things that you're going through, the spirit is going to interpret it for you. And what does the spirit do? It causes, it allows you to what? Love others. We already built on that last week. I don't have time to do the rest of it, so here we are. Let's face the music. Loving others doesn't cost you anything. It cost him what? Everything. 
We are the beneficiaries. We, are, we were twofold children of wrath. You were lost on your way to a devil's hell. And Jesus saved you. He, in the spirit of adoption, he said, I want you to be a son and I want you to be a daughter. We were the peasantry. We were the slaves. We were outside of the will of God and Jesus paid the price. And now in this equation, he is the first fruits, our brother. Jesus is our older brother and we are now a son and daughter. We're at the table with the Most High, and Paul is saying, I don't care from what background you come from. It is for everybody. So if you don't think it's for someone else, or you have hatred in your heart towards another group of people, you ain't in the gospel. Because the gospel is for every tribe, every tongue, every nation. The gospel is the most unifying, beautiful, singular work of all time. And in that, Paul is saying, you love someone in the spirit, it doesn't cost you anything. Number one, we have nothing to lose in loving others. So some of you need to ask yourself the question like, why don't I love people the way that I should? What is keeping me from living in the spirit of God? You see, we talk about living in the spirit in an experiential way. I wanna experience, I wanna feel something. And Paul is saying, it's about what you what? Do. It is about what you feel as well and we'll talk about that a little bit, but mainly it's, if you're in the spirit of God, you are going to be what? Loving people, bottom line. All right, lead balloon territory this morning. <laughs> lead balloon. <laughs> Underneath, we have nothing to lose in loving others. Let me just break this down a little bit more. This is helpful for me. We do not have a debt to settle, church. Church, you don't have a debt to settle. Jesus paid it what? All, all to him I owe. Think about that. We don't have a debt to settle. We do not have a reason to restrict. We are living in the abundance of God's grace and can offer unlimited love to anyone. It's, it's possible. Owe no man anything. Don't be in bondage, Paul said, but love one another. Number two, and I'm getting there. I know what you're thinking and I'm coming for it. Number two, your impulse to deny or sidestep anyone because of an earthly reason should be confronted with the wealth of the Spirit's capacity to choose to love. I, 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 just, I need me time. I have to protect me. They're so toxic. Yeah. You can love toxic people. Mm, 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 mm. Love your enemies, Jesus said. But here's the other piece to it that I know you're thinking. People that demand love, number three, under, we have nothing to lose in loving others. Number three, under that, is people that demand love in our society that are living in subjection to their own fleshly desires are not asking for love. They're asking for approval. We can love and offer the love of Christ through the Holy Spirit without approving of someone's sinful behavior. I mean, it's June, like, it is what it is, right? You can't walk into any store without seeing someone's lifestyle right in front of you. And I feel like the world is, and I wanna handle this with grace and love. Christians do a horrible job at loving people who have different perspectives than them. If you're a Democrat, if you're what some would call a liberal, if you're a conservative, 
if, if you are a right winger, like it doesn't matter in the body of Christ. Paul was saying if you're a Torah abiding Jew or if you're a Gentile, we could say in that equation if you're Republican or Democrat. We should all be able to get a what? Get along. But our religion is our color that we vote. <laughs> or our sexual preference, right? But here's where the rubber meets the road. As Christians, if I find my security in who Jesus is and what the Spirit of God is doing in my life, then I can love someone even if I don't agree. Whatever aisle you take, watch this. There's a difference between accepting someone and approving someone. I can accept everyone on the face of this planet without approving. I'm sure at some point my children are going to do things that I don't what? Approve of. Are they still my kids? Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Stay with me. Don't check out. This is week two on this message, and it's 12-12. Anyway, stay with me on this. Proverbs says this. The, the wounds of a friend are what? Faithful. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. All these people in the culture right now that say, I love you, I accept you, all they want is to get people's business. I mean, it's pretty obvious that if there are people that do things differently and that they say, oh, I don't care, but they're cha-ching, 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 cha-ching on the back. Like, stop getting your philosophy from people who don't know the love of Christ. And there's an end to their love too. The point is, is I'm not marrying any of that philosophy with my love for someone else. Because if I'm in the spirit of God, I can love unconditionally no matter who they are or what they have done to me. So therefore, my, my point here, sometimes loving someone is telling them what they don't want to hear. Sometimes loving someone is sitting your child down and saying, hey, I don't agree with this, I don't like this, but I love you. The Bible says that the Lord, whom the Lord loveth, he what? Chasteneth. The Lord spanks his children, and how many can testify? <laughs> I've been spanked many a time by the Almighty. We're like, Robinson, what are you doing? You're right, that was a mistake. <laughs> I'm, just because I say I love you and you don't, I don't want to rub them the wrong way or I want to have a relationship with them, that's not saying I'm not going to call them out on their sin or where they're wrong. We're conflating the two. Don't do that. Sometimes loving is being confrontational and telling them in love, here's the truth. That's not what society wants and they're pretty obvious and upfront about that. That's why we need the Holy Spirit, so that they see something in us that's genuine, that, that we actually care and accept them even when we don't agree, and we're not doing it because we want something from them, but we're doing it because we have everything from him. Mm, Y'all don't even, that was good. <laughs> the world says, I'm gonna love you and accept you because they want something from you. Every teenage girl, I'm a dad with two daughters. All boys are awful. All of them. They're all horrible. None of them are allowed to date my daughters ever. Why? Because they all want something, dadgummit. That's a perfect illustration for us to say, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. I once was one of those dadgum boys. But it's the opposite with Jesus. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive our, our literal son and daughtership. We're heirs 
to an eternal kingdom that is completely fulfilled by Jesus. So in other words, when I'm loving someone, I'm actually loving them, wanting nothing in return because I have everything already fulfilled from Jesus. That's being in the Holy Spirit. Now, if, that's, if you're struggling to love people, then you're not filled with the Spirit of God. And we can make that adjustment. We all struggle. But if you're also struggling with the way society is telling you to love people, you don't have to do that either. You can do it the way that Scripture is telling you and walking in the Spirit. You think I'm maybe stepping outside the lines. Listen to this scripture, John chapter 8, verse 10. When Jesus had lifted himself, he saw none but the woman. And he said unto her, Woman, where are, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. The story where Jesus draws the line in the sand. Remember, this is the Spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit, same spirit Paul is talking about. How Jesus handled these social issues is how he wants us to handle them. And when the Pharisees and Sadducees were condemning the woman for adultery, and he looked at them and he said, hey, uh, have you kept the law perfectly, knuckleheads? And whatever he wrote in the sand was pretty impactful, because when he looked up, guess what? They were, they were gone. He who is without sin, cast the first. Go for it, guys. <laughs> and he's like, doodling. I just want to know what he, what he drew in the sand. It was probably like that Ocean City sculpture, you know? Jesus looked down, and he was, like, forming this thing, and then when he looked up, it was like this incredible statue, and they're like, oh, I'm out. Maybe not. I don't know. But the point is, he told the woman, watch this. I know what you're doing. Go and sin no more. He didn't say to the woman, go continue in your lifestyle. I don't care. In other words, look, there's work to be done. I'm not condoning your sin. I'm accepting you without approving of what you're doing. Make the change that's necessary. Does that make sense? We see the example of, of Jesus. Number two. Number one is we have nothing to lose in loving others. If you want to be a spirit-filled Christian, start loving people. If you want to be a spirit-filled Christian, have someone over to your house this week that doesn't believe the way you believe. If you want to be a spirit-filled Christian, that coworker that you've been avoiding, walk up to them tomorrow, introduce yourself, tell them you love them. Say, that would be really weird. Yeah, because you've been acting like the devil for so long. If you telling someone, look, when I walk up to people and I say, hey, I love you, it's never weird for me. I'm already weird. <laughs> people already know I'm, I'm, I have that type of persona. It's not me. It's the Holy Ghost. I can walk up to anybody and tell them I love them. Even people that I've had massive disagreements with in my life, guess what? There's nobody right now. If they didn't walk in that back door, I'd walk up to them and be like, hey, love you. Is, that's duplicit. no. It's called being spirit-filled and loving people. But it's my sister. <laughs> and you're like. <laughs> I mean, sometimes the worst hatred is among family members that I've experienced. And in my experience, it's the devil at the center of it. When you choose to love, guess what? All that stuff just disappears. It's got no weight. This is just who I am. Jesus is. Uh-huh. That was pretty rough, wasn't it? Okay, all right. Number one, we have nothing to lose in loving others. Number two, we have a friend and advocate in the Holy Spirit. If everything I said is hard for you to swallow and difficult for you to do, then you're in the right place. If everything I said, you're like, there's no way. Good. 
We've ac- we have accomplished what we have set out to do because you can't do it on your own. And if I, sh- if I say this to you, in this scripture, it also says that the Holy Spirit gives us the words to pray. When we realize our inability to actually perform in a Christ-like manner, we're on the path to being Christoformed. We're on the path to being like Jesus when we realize that we can't do what we need to do to be like Jesus. That's why Jesus sent himself in the form of the Holy Ghost, our very own Jesus, the most underutilized. So number two, we have a friend and advocate in the Holy Spirit. I wanna give this, I wanna give this to you. I want you to receive it, and this is gonna take work. This is gonna take you finding a quiet place this week and you praying in the Holy Spirit, you having a conversation with him. Some of you already do this, and so you're like ahead of the curb. If you come from a Pentecostal background, you're like, come on, I'm in it. I mean, me and the Holy Ghost, like I have gifts, and I'm, I'm living in that, I'm expressing that. Y'all are in it already. And those of you that don't come from that background, you got work to do. And that's where I'm, you know, I'm kind of like falling in the middle, like, and, and I, just so you know, I pray in the Holy Spirit every day. Every day I pray to him, just like I pray to the Father, just like I thank Jesus for making an intercession for me right now in this moment. So if you're not praying and seeking Holy Spirit wisdom in this moment, you're missing out, I'm telling you. Number one, under we have a friend and advocate in the Holy Spirit, he will declare your position in Jesus when the enemy is trying to condemn you. I mean this, church. I believe wholeheartedly that the depression, the anxiety, you know, you young people, you're under attack. Satan's coming for you. He's whispering vicariously through, what is it, tic-tac? Is that what they are? Just teasing. (laughs) I'm just being dumb. Put that tic-tac in your mouth real quick and listen to me. They don't even know what Tic Tacs are. Is that a thing? Do they still sell Tic Tacs? Yeah, Yeah, love those things. He's coming to you, and all all the enemy wants to do to you young people, and when I'm talking to you young people, I really mean the adults, because y'all are doing the same thing with your Facebook. Do you see so-and-so? They got a new car. (laughs) I'm going to order one real quick. Comparison's killing us. Why? Those are all external voices. If you're listening to the enemy, he uses fear, shame, and guilt. If you're scared to mend that relationship, if you have shame because of something you've said in the past and you don't want to walk forth in love, if you're guilted into having a relationship that you shouldn't have, all of that is the enemy. Look, life is hard enough, much less with fear, shame, and guilt wearing, much less with the enemy right there on your shoulder going, let me tell you something. We wake up and we amplify the voice of the enemy when we go like this. I'm not saying it's the phone. I'm saying what voice, what, are you, what content are you what? Consuming. It's directing. The Bible says in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. My point is, is if you pray in the Holy Spirit and you wake up and you say, Holy Ghost, I know you're there. I want you to tell me what you want me to hear you'd be shocked at the things that just come to your mind. And you're like, oh, you want me to talk to her? Uh-huh. You want me to talk to him? You want me to say what? You want me to go to lunch with that person? Literally, you, like all day long, I'm like, Holy Ghost, 
give me the words to say. And like stuff just, before I preach, what is that? It's the Holy Ghost. Here's what he does. The Holy Ghost amplifies your position in Christ. He tells you what Jesus did for you. The Holy Ghost is the greatest cheerleader. For people that are too, what I say, and I don't, you have to follow me. For people that have all the focus on the Holy Ghost and it's out of balance, they're doing things that they're saying the Holy Ghost is telling them that's contrary to Scripture. The Holy Spirit always works in tandem with what Scripture says. And that's how, as a pastor, you discern the Spirit. When someone says, I know what the Lord wants me to do, well, what is it? And then they say it, and you're like, no, the Lord doesn't want you to do that. (laughs) How do you know? Because what they're saying is contrary to what the Bible says. The Holy Ghost doesn't do that. He bears witness. Jesus is put on trial, and the best witness to the stand, the one that explains it, the one that knows how God works better than any other entity in the universe is the Holy Ghost. And he goes, guess what? They declared their loyalty to Jesus. Send me, God. I want to go bear witness. I want to go tell that new believer who they're believing in. And he comes, and he rests, And he indwells, and then you experience for the first time heaven and earth overlapping in your heart. And you experience peace, and you experience comfort, and you're like, oh, what is that? And the Holy Ghost is in there like a hamster. He's like going, going, going. And they're like, yeah, this is good. But then we hit a snag in life, and we kick him off the hamster wheel. And he's like over in the corner. And we quench him. And we tell him to hush. And we start listening to external sources. Rather than Paul said, I renew the inward man every day. I'm trying to help y'all. Number one, he will declare your position in Jesus. Let me just read these and we'll go home and eat whatever you got in the crock pot. Number two, he will comfort you in times of suffering with the knowledge of your future in the kingdom of God. If you're worried about the hard time you're going through, more than what that hard time is teaching you, you're out of balance. What if the Lord is bringing you through that hard time and that suffering and that health issue because he wants to have a serious conversation with you? And those of us that have been around for a little while, we know this. But the Lord heals. Absolutely we pray for healing. But when he chooses not to heal, we don't stop the conversation. We let it continue and we say to God, this is not easy, I'm groaning. The world is groaning. There's a purpose that I have for your suffering. This is going to work together for my good. Don't wish or pray yourself out of the position where you can have the most in-depth conversation with the God of all gods. I just don't want this. I don't want this. This is what you have to talk about. Husbands and wives that don't date each other and communicate and talk and have communication, they have crappy marriages. Why? They're not talking about what's happening in their lives. They're talking about it with what? Everybody else. Instead of having that conversation with their spouse. That's the same thing God wants to do. He's saying, talk to what? Talk to me. Bring me your burdens. Cast all your care on him. You're real good at it at work. 
let me just tell you about all the last 10 things that have gone wrong in my life. And I should have got that promotion. Do you even have the Holy Ghost? Because if you do, he's your go-to in that relationship. And then he interprets what's happening. But here's our go-to. I just have to tell everyone how bad my day is so that I can get all of that sympathy from them. Like, heart, hug, care, or whatever they are. I just, today's just not my day. Oh, sweetheart, it'll be okay. Tweet, 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 like, like, whatever. Tic-tac it. Video back. I, that's, that's your spirit. That's your Holy Ghost right there. Your first thought, your first inclination. We run to our phone and we post that junk. Get it out there. That's your Holy Ghost. And that's the comfort that you have. Similar to when you fast and you tell people about it, you have your what? Your reward. But if you encounter some of life's most difficult trying times and you talk and pray in the Holy Spirit and he comes along and he hugs, likes, cares, and you're like, ah, I have peace. When you do it the other way, it's like, well, at least people think I'm a good person. At least people think that I'm handling this well. So-and-so didn't handle it as good as I handled it. You know, that comparison's only gonna get you so far. Whereas when God loves you and when he gives you peace, it passes all understanding and it keeps your hearts and minds. It's a wonder we have so many people on so many medications right now. What if we would've, and I'm not against it, but what if we would've went to the spirit of God first? Maybe it would be a lot less. Ooh. Number three, he will give you the words to pray when you cannot find the words to say. Verse 26, he says this, in the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray. How many of you feel like you just can't break through? I just, my prayers don't go anywhere. We all feel that way. And it's in that moment that you say, Holy Spirit, give me the words to say. If you've never said that in your prayer time, I promise you, this will change you. It will revolutionize your prayer life. When you, start, when you stop praying alone and when you start praying with the Holy Spirit, son, he knows how everything works and he wants to bear witness of that in your heart. I'm out of time. Paul is introducing a relationship that is a unifying and ultimately the most life-giving, crucial relationship that every Christian has at their disposal. That is with the Holy Spirit. How is your relationship with him and are you doing life with him? Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week and God bless.